Welcome to the Vortex Nation podcast, brought to you by lovers of hunting, shooting, public lands, the Second Amendment, and good food. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back. I've got Jim to my right. We've got first-time guest, Wyatt, sitting across from us. We've got Eric, frequent guest, sitting across from us as well. Now, we live in the digital age. We are surrounded by images constantly, whether it's social, anything else, right? We all know a good picture when we see it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Today's podcast topic, Jim, which I know you're aware because we planned this together, we're going to talk about photography and what the heck goes into making a good image, which is why we have uh, Eric and White across the table because these yeah. guys are... Specifically kind of outdoor photography, out, you out. know, especially like the hunt, uh, the hunt side of things really, especially I'd say not that you, not that there aren't a lot of like good shooting related photographers out there, but documenting the intricacies of the hunt. Yes. Capturing experiences. Capturing experiences. Exactly. Via a camera. At probably a higher level than average. You know, what, what it takes to get into being an outdoor photographer. Maybe I could have started with that. I would say so. Wyatt, you got to tell people who you are first. Um, my name is Introduce Wyatt. yourself. Wyatt Cole. Um, I work here with you guys, luckily. It's a pretty good time. Um, <laughs> Hi, Wyatt. Hey, Rick. Grew up not too far from Rick, actually. Did you guys know that? No. Wait, what? Grew up like an hour away from Rick. Yep. Serious. Yeah. Iowa, For Rick. Real. Yeah. Iowa, Iowa. Rick. Yeah. Your Iowa life. Wait, yep. you grew up not too far from Iowa Rick. Yep. Not, Iowa Rick. Not yep. child Rick. Yep. Not child Rick. Yep. Iowa Rick. Okay. Got yep. it. Yeah. Interesting. So. And you are, would you consider yourself a photographer? I would when I look at your Instagram account. I mean, yeah, I, I do some small stuff. I mean, I work with a couple of companies. Like, primarily, I just do it for fun, though. Like, right. I've, I've never been too serious about like trying to propose myself as a like professional photographer because I don't like A, have the like time, dedication, things that come into being a really good photographer. Um, there's a lot of stuff that comes yep. into it, as you know, obviously, Rick. I mean, it has to be, it's like a full-time thing if you want to be a real professional photographer. Mm-hmm. Like the guys that are super good, like you Steven gotta, Drake, Austin Thomas. It's what they do for a living. It's awesome. Yeah, right. You got to right. go full send. Yeah. yeah. Full send. I Only imagine, full I would, send. I would speculate, too, there's a pretty good starving period there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Absolutely. Because the the thing is that I've that I've noticed, like anybody looked at your your guys' accounts, right? So you're uh, Eric, you're on Instagram. What is it, Eric Barber eight? Yep. What's the eight for? High school football number. Hell yeah. You were number eight. <laughs> Weren't yep. you like a running back? Were you a quarterback? Uh, wide receiver and defensive back. Okay. Yep. So was I, but I was eighty two. So yeah. where did you get eight? Drop the two. I like them single digits, baby. The curious uh, the curious thing about this it was though, a trend. The, the curious thing about this. How old are you right now? You're. 28. Still You're 28. living back in and, the glory well, days. Well, and he created his Instagram account <laughs> two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> and then Wyatt, yours is Wyatt Cole Hunt, right? Yeah. Okay. Pretty simple. Cool. Much yeah, cooler. No spaces, dots, nothing like yep. that. Uh, but if anyone were to look at your guys' accounts, they'd be like, holy crap, these are awesome. And then, you know, and and, and that's where a lot of folks out there, I'm going to speak out on just from what I know for myself is that a lot of times I have these grandiose ideas in my head of going out and doing whatever I'm going to be doing, whether it's even just shed hunting, you know, yep. obviously the time of the year right now is around shed hunting time, or going on a super sweet hunt. 
um, whatever, whatever it is. And I always think to myself, oh, I'm going to get some super sick photos out here, you know, really capture the, uh, my wife always says capture the memes. Yep, it, just yep. bugs, yeah. it bugs the hell out of me when she says <laughs> it. Anyway, um, she doesn't listen to this podcast, so it's fine. But, uh, <laughs> she always said, you know, you know, capturing the memes, but you, you get, you get these sweet images. You can look back and you can remember a really awesome time, place, uh, scene, whatever. And when I go out and I, don't have a fancy camera. I've got my iPhone, right? Which I know maybe even something we'll get into is the iPhones these days can yeah. take incredible photos, especially I've got the one with the three cameras on it, the one that scares Mark with a little bit. With three lenses, how can you go wrong? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> more the better. More lenses. Yeah. But I take photos and they look like crap. And then every time I go back and I look at your guys' photos on your Instagram pages, I'm like, how the heck <laughs> do they get such good photos? And it's it's They're stunning. the quality. It's 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 the quality of the photos. It's also just how they're set up. There's so many times where I'm like, "Oh, that would be a really sweet shot," and then I take it and I'm like, "Why doesn't it look cool?" And I didn't get the perspective right. It's not symmetrical looking. Yeah. What do you got? How do you guys get the eye for this when you're out there? How do you, how do you how have you gotten to this point yeah, where you I'll, can take a good photo? I'll let you weigh in on this too, but part of my thoughts on this is the number one thing is you got to have a camera on you at that time. So like one of the, one of my favorite pictures I took all fall was one that I took in my truck on my way home from work. I drive through an area where there's a lot of deer and just having that camera like on me all the time. Like you like you said, how many times have you seen something that's very cool? It's like, man, that'd be an awesome photo. But all I got is my phone, or like you don't you don't really have anything to capture it, you know. Well, and then also you're talking about wildlife. I'd say that's definitely something that we have. You know, you're you're hunting, right? Yeah. Yep. They're not going to stand around forever. Like you literally have an instantaneous moment to be able to ha- capture that moment. Yeah. Yep. So step one, I think, is just having the camera on you, and step two is like having that kind of creative eye and understanding like lenses and stuff that's where i definitely want you to come in here it's like lenses compress space and all that stuff to create a composition rather than just like snapping uh an image and hoping you know that it turns out so right. if you, you want to weigh in on on that too um yeah man i mean you covered definitely the really important basics having your camera strapped to your hip at all times like that's I take it everywhere with me. What kind Every- of cameras do you guys do? Like DSLRs or like the old point and shoot, the yeah, old uh, my yeah. picks um, with I- an X. <laughs> <laughs> Anything with an X is good. I, I have uh, so we have oh cool picks. That's cool what picks. it was. Cool yep, picks. Cool picks. Print out. Yeah. Yep. Point and shoot. Yeah. What about the, print your photo. the cardboard ones? Yeah. <laughs> like the ones from SpongeBob. I think we're both shooting on mirrorless cameras, right? Yeah. So like in the the cool thing with like DSLRs is. A few years ago, like the DSLR body was kind of the big trend, wouldn't you oh, agree? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, here just recently in the last two to three years, we kind of saw that mirrorless trend pick yeah, up. Yeah, it, it was like the snap of your fingers. Like every big photographer was like mirrorless, mirrorless. Yep. So if you look at a mirrorless camera body and compare yeah. it to your iPhone, like just the body, not the lens, it's actually probably very similar size. Just in a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So very small, very lightweight. They do really well in low light because they just have less. They don't have that reflective sensor. Yeah, they don't have. It, it takes that mirror out so, of the equation. Where you explain, it's the mirror that's in the equation in DSLR. It's like yep. It, so you're like imagine when you're taking that photo. It's like here's how your image is projected off the mirror, out your lens, mirrorless, straight out of the camera yep. through your lens. Yeah. So okay. So image comes into a DSLR, comes in through the lens, it bounces off a mirror to the 
sensor. Sensor, yeah. And then on a mirrorless, okay, that mirror isn't there, so it's straight to the sensor. Yep. So you said a little bit better in low light because you yeah. you're removing the middleman. Yep, exactly. Factory direct. Way they're more lighter. efficient. Yeah, they're lighter and they're smaller. Are they more durable? Because I'm imagining if you um, just have more parts in there. I mean, uh, I don't know uh, like to like technical specs what's rated and whatnot. I know Stephen Drake had like an A7 R3 on a trip in Alaska. Like fell into a stream and it was extremely cold. Um, it was still running water, but he like dropped his camera in there, threw it up, hit the bank, rolled back into the stream, swam over and like threw it out into the snow. Put it in a bag of rice for like a week and it worked. Yeah, <laughs> but, <laughs> All right. I mean, the, it's, and it's an electronic device. Yeah, the unique thing every day. that I think you know is is an important caveat with the mirrorless system, like especially if you're switching lenses a lot and if you're out in the field, that mirror is literally right under the lens, so it's it yeah. is a little bit trickier. Like they are definitely more susceptible to getting dirty or getting like what people call a lens spot. So yeah. that would be like... Which one is the mirrorless ones are? The mirrorless ones yeah. are. Oh, because there's nothing between the sensors. Exactly. So yeah. you're running into more potential for like a little bit of error there. So if you've ever watched mm. a, a TV show or like watched uh, or looked at a photo and there's like this weird spot that stays in <laughs> yeah. one place on your TV screen, the videographer, if they're filming on, on, an, on a mirrorless, they probably have a little piece of dust or something that's actually captured... Because they didn't, oh, you know, sure. blow yeah. the dust off or clean it up or anything like that. Interesting. So, gotcha, gotcha. But you know, you're talking about you know a size and weight thing. I mean, packing for any hunt. I mean, size and weight. That's those are always two big considerations. Yeah. And if you can save on both those, you know, it sounds like that mirrorless option is is a good one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How much? You know, when I think of uh, maybe Mark and I are the greatest examples um, because we overpack a lot, as people have seen. <laughs> but how much space in your pack when you're going on a hunt are you dedicating towards camera stuff? You know? <laughs> I mean, do you wind up do you wind up having to make big sacrifices on the rest of your stuff in order to fit oh, that camera man. gear in there? I'll let you, you take you this one. Go? Nope, all right. that's all you. Um, <laughs> ju- I mean, <laughs> judging from one of our our, our last hunts together, I, I do know uh, Eric will sacrifice the food first, which I find interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> I'm not yep. going to eat for seven days, but I'll take pictures while yep. I'm there. Yep. <laughs> if it gets me a couple more Instagram followers, <laughs> exactly. Hey, do it for the gram, for the baby. Gram. That's right. <laughs> um. Yeah. No. For the weight thing and dedicating your pack size to it, like I don't think there's been a a single hunt in the last couple years that I haven't taken my stuff, like my my rig with, and everything that I have with it. I'd say a a really large fraction of your pack size, probably a quarter, um, when you're talking, like, comparing to your clothes and everything. Like, I'm no backcountry hunter. Like, I just went on my first one this last year. But I still, like, even when talking with Ryan, the expert, like, still took my five-pound, you know, super telephoto lens, my 150 to 600, all my batteries, my other lens, my like, everything... So it was it was a lot of weight. It was ten pounds worth of stuff for sure. Yeah, on a backcountry hunt that I knew nothing about, and that's what I take with me every time when I go to a tree stand. Yeah. So like when whitetail season rolls around, you're like both lenses, body, spare batteries, rattling antlers, your bow, your extra camo, any snacks, your optics, camo for your camo. Where where do you yeah, have room yeah. left? <laughs> Yeah, camo for your camo. <laughs> I mean, All has to match, by the way. You know, and, and the, like the other thing, lenses is definitely where a lot of it comes into play. Yeah. The cool thing, though, with like some of the, we talked about always having your camera at the ready. I don't know if you run one of those peak design camera clips. Oh, I was going to so, ask you about that, Eric. Yeah. Yeah. So like um, when we were in on that, uh, the Boats and Bows pod venture, like 
we were talking about, like that little clip that I had. Basically, this is something that straps right to your uh, to your backpack strap and keeps your camera r- literally right on your yeah. shoulder. Yeah. So, like, if you're floating down a river or if you're, you know, hiking up something, photos are best grabbed during those like very slight uh, moments in time where not like, planned out. Yeah. Everything yeah, you're, you're like spontaneous. Shots. Oh, hey. Ch- yeah, and you're not going to be able to grab those if your camera isn't easy to access. So yeah. having it right on your shoulder, right? Yeah, because then you throw your backpack down and everything. Yep. You're slowing everything up. Exactly. I, I know from experience, if it's bared in your pack, you're, you're not going to take yeah, it. You're not yeah. taking yeah. it out. Yep. You're yeah. not taking it out. And when you do take it out, it's because you have the time, and then you're not getting those spontaneous moments. Everything and up. It's just yeah. Yep. The ideal situation would be have one in your hands and have one clipped to your body with another lens. Mm. Completely. Two cameras. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of professional photographers. Like oh, sure. Okay, outdoor I've photographers seen, I've seen do it a where, lot. Yeah, you go to somebody's wedding and usually the photographer there has two yeah. cameras just like always rolling. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Or not rolling, snapping. 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 Keep it snapping. Heavy on the shutter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rip. Yeah, I, I mean, that. like heavy on the shutter is one of those things too. You know, like, I don't know. I am not, I would consider myself a volume photographer. It takes me like 15 the Alan shots. Iverson. Yeah, yeah. Alan mm-hmm. Iverson of photographers. The, the more lead in the air, the more chances you have of hitting something. It also <laughs> applies to photos. The more, you know, photos you take, the more apt yeah. you are to get that one really good one. Well, and it, it seems, you know, I'd say particularly when you're filming something that's in motion, Yeah. right? Yeah. And the ability with digital nowadays to be able to go just hammer down, you might get, you know, a series of shots that are all, Literally, like, in real time, maybe it was a one-second moment or a yeah. three-second moment, but there's that one that's in the middle. You're like, yep, that just that person's expression was just right. Or maybe Absolutely. maybe maybe they move just a little bit and the sun hits, you know, the subject matter just a little yep. bit different. But, yeah, I've, I fall into the, and I'm nowhere your guys' status, but, yeah, t- take 100 to get one. Yeah. So, let, let me ask you this now, too. So, I have my iPhone on me mm-hmm. a lot. Usually my iPhone's pretty easy to get at. Yeah. And I yep. can get it out pretty quick. Yep. So I know we've talked about having a camera on you is important. I, I can totally get that. Let me go even further and just start to ask you guys, how do you get such a dang good photo? That's where I'm like, you know, yeah. I can take a picture of MC Ryan here right now in like <laughs> yep. two seconds, get him in his natural habitat. Yep. But I, it wouldn't. It'd be just sort of like a very bland looking photo. Some yeah. of these photos you see when you follow really good photographers, even in like your your guys' stuff on your own Instagram accounts. I look at it. The lighting looks amazing. Everything pops. Everything mm-hmm. has nice color contrast. Yep. Everything looks really cool. The way it's composed, the perspective of it too looks yeah, really yeah, neat. Yeah. It's all like nicely centered OCD. up and yep. Uh, helps like having a very yeah. <laughs> ocd based personality helps with that a lot i think and, and it, oh, like good to know we <laughs> talked a little bit too like about the whole compressing space thing and to take that a step further like you know if you some of the pictures like if you had to ask somebody who isn't a photographer what they like in a photo they'd probably talk about man i really like when you get that blurry like thing in the front and then you got your subject is very tack sharp and then the stuff in the back oh, yeah, portrait photo yeah basically yeah. portrait mode so like where you're getting that like compressing space that kind of defined is like you're taking all these you have a subject which is your you know going to be in focus you always have your foreground and then you have your background so like to create that 
you want something with like a little bit more zoom, which you're not really going to get on an iPhone without kind of distorting the quality of it a little bit. It's just a digital zoom, right? Yeah. Exactly. Zoom. Yep. yep. So that's why like having a, a telephoto lens is is important for With a really tight aperture. Yep. Like 2.8 is super ideal for a telephoto lens. Yeah. But they're pricey. What the heck does well, that I was going to say, should we define aperture? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Take it. Like Rick was just saying, like you have your foreground and your background, your target and focus. Um, you'll notice a much more uh, distinguished target that's in focus with your foreground and background out of focus with a sharper aperture like 2.8 as opposed to 5.6. So and I know that's like something, if you look at the Golden Eagle rifle scope, the F-Class rifle scope, there's yep. an aperture stop, which yep. cuts it down from like a 52 millimeter objective to a smaller, I can't remember, it's 30 something, yep. maybe. But they do that in order to make the depth of field or something like that. Like you can you can see mirage between you and the target a lot easier as you go through your parallax dial than if you were you had it removed and with a fifty two millimeter objective. Right. Isn't that similar thing? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's all related for sure. And how are those numbers working though? You know? So the higher your number, like let's say F stop is another thing that people refer yeah. to this as F eleven is gonna give you more things in focus than a smaller number like F two eight. So the smaller your number the more blurry your background and foreground is going to be, gotcha. the, the higher that you're focused on is going to be yeah, tack nice sharp. sharp. So, like right now, if I, you know, took a photo of my, you know, Yeti mug sitting on the table here, and I took the same photo w- without changing the position of the camera or anything like that, but all I did was change the f-stop, one being f two eight and one being f eleven. F two eight, everything you guys would be blurred out, but if I did F eleven, you know, like you'd be able to pick up detail back in those gun lockers in the back side of this room. Okay, so, that's a great example, and that's something that's in the lens that you get. That's not yeah. The camera. You can well, you control it from the camera, or there's also manual aperture lenses where you can control it from the lens as well. Hmm. So, which those are significantly cheaper in price, and you can still keep up with quality and stuff like that. Yeah, so, interesting. With with gear selection, you know, just because you have to even get these photos, you got to have the right equipment right you know we're kind of talking about maybe a specific photography subset here of like you know wildlife or documenting a hunt or something like that we're talking about space and weight because those are considerations so like in your kit and we touched on a few of the things but like what is in your kit to basically have the minimum amount of gear to do the maximum amount of things does that make sense yeah Yeah. your experience (laughs) i mean learning to manipulate one Set one set lens into a bunch of different perspectives is like the ultimate way to learn. Mm-hmm. Like a lot I've, of experimentation. I'm still nowhere near an expert at any of this stuff. But if there's one thing I've taken from photography over time is like I ran a just a 50 millimeter lens, like no zoom. It's stuck at 50 millimeters, so considered a prime lens. I yeah. learned how to take that one and get like really up close and adjust my shooting perspectives from there and like super far away and still making things look like you used a different lens the mm-hmm. whole time, but really you're just creating different perspectives with angles and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. And then uh, like on the other end of that, you can look at like the variable lenses, like a 24 to 70, a 70 to 200. These are your telephoto multiples, you know, zoom range. So that's lenses. the zoom range. Yep. Okay. So if I have like, usually my, my two favorite lenses are a 24 to 70 and a 70 to 200. So essentially I have every zoom range from 24 to 200 covered. So like, and that's not, you're talking about, you're not talking about like 200 times. Zoom, no. Right? Two, yeah. 200 you're millimeters. talking about a millimeter yes, the size yep. of the lens, which then correlates to how much the thing looks magnified. Exactly. Okay. Yep, exactly. So, you know, like... It's weird for, that they don't call... I'm sorry to interrupt. It's weird that they don't... It, like, we call rifle scopes, 
you know, like a 624 by 50. Right. We include that 50 millimeter objective belt, but the 624 could happen whether it was a 50 or a yeah, 32, 56, yeah. 32. Yeah. It's, it's weird anyway, that there's no strange. like magnification like related yeah. to like the yeah. millimeters. Right. So that, and so what's that covering you, uh, Rick, like distance wise? So like when I filmed like whitetail hunts, a 24 to seven, a, a 24 to 70 and a 70 to 200 would be everything for f- you would need for filming a bow hunt. Okay. So like if I was going to film dialogue back to back with you or get shots of you, like two feet away from me in a tree stand, I could put that 24 to 70 on and on the wide end of that zoom range, I'd be able to get really wide establishing shots. And then if I went up to that, I switched lenses and went to that 24 to set or, or that 70 to 200, I'd be able to film a deer at, 200 yards out in a, oh, wow. a bean field. Yeah. You know, obviously, like some of the stuff there, this is on the filming side. So there's stuff like 4K footage that allows you to crop in a little bit more and get more video quality without without degrading what that looks like by scaling in your picture. So that, that helps a little bit. But I think a lot of it is just having a, a you know, you don't want to bring too much, but right. you also want to have all your bases covered. And that's why I think personally, this is a personal thing that 24 to 70 and a 70 to 200 just covers you on a wide different range of applications. Right. Did it take you a while of buying a ton of different lenses <laughs> to figure out that that was the best combo for you? Yeah. Are you I, renting lenses ever to figure out what you it, like best? Renting lenses is awesome. It's like, a great idea. It is. Yeah. When my wife and I went on our, our honeymoon, I rented a 70 to 200 for the first time. Yeah. And... You know, I was we we went to uh, Essis Park, Colorado. And my big thing is I really wanted to take photos of the elk. We were there in the middle of September. They're bugling like crazy. By the way, I've seen these images. Everybody, they are awesome. <laughs> Thank it's you, true. Marco. Um, like the first time I went out there, I was like kind of bummed out that I didn't have something with a little bit more zoom. So then, just a year and a half ago, I went back out there, and rather than renting a seventy to two hundred, I rented a uh, one hundred to four hundred. Lens. Mm, okay. So yeah. I had so correction. Those are the images that I've seen. That those. Well, you've seen a little bit of both. A little I, bit of both. Th- there All were right. there were times where you know with that seventy to two hundred, you just had to physically be very close to your subject to you know get a little okay. bit more detail. But yeah, the stuff with that that one hundred to four hundred millimeter lens. If you're primarily shooting like wildlife or stuff like that. The numbers game, big numbers, we always talk about that with optics. It kind of does help out a little bit in the Mm. photography realm because you just want to be able to get in a little bit closer to your subject without being right there. You don't want to be 30 yards from a grizzly bear to get an awesome photo of it. You want to (laughs) be 500 (laughs) yards away with the ability to zoom in and make it feel like you're right up in his grill. Got it. That's fair. That's fair. How do you, like, when I think of zooming in big time on something like that, I'm thinking, wouldn't it get, does your image get, like in a rifle scope, for example? Yep. Do you start having issues where it gets a little bit dimmer than it was when you were zoomed oh, out? Oh, absolutely. Do you start absolutely. having issues where it's a little bit more grainy than it was when it was zoomed So what, is it just where, like, okay, if you really want to get super, super, super high-quality photos when you're really, really zoomed in, you got to get the most expensive lenses ever, or is it well, settings it on your camera that you got to get right? Or Yes, settings on your camera is huge. Dude, settings on your camera, I feel like so many times... You can plug in a lot of different lenses, and you can kind yeah. of get a feel for, well, it's zoomed in this much, or it's wide angle, or whatever. But I, then the settings on the camera, it's like you're still not done once you plug a lens yeah. in. There's a lot of buttons. There are, and and I think it's <laughs> hilarious, too, because like you see you know, even some of the professional like videographers that we work with, every now and then you'll look over at, their, at what they're filming, and they have it on auto ISO, which ISO is essentially in the video world that's gain or like grain. So as you increase your amount of gain or ISO, you're adding a lot more like pixelated like little 
grainy ants into the image. Yeah, where, why would you want to do that? So it is a it is a very significant way to change it for lighting situations. So in, in low light, you're going to add a lot of that ISO, and you're going to have more light gathering capabilities. But with that, you're also going to uh, increase the graininess of the image. Okay. Yeah. But there's other ways to do that, too. Like, you can shoot at a, a slower shutter speed, so you probably want to go down to, like, 180th or 160th for, for hand-holding. And then... What, is, sorry, what does that mean? So, oh, shutter, <laughs> shutter speed's how long <laughs> the thing stays open and yep. it's, it's gathered the image right exactly Correct. picture a picture a window with yeah. a blind on it you yeah. know and then that 160th or 1500th obviously 1500th is way faster than 160th that's the amount of time at which that blindfold jump, jump, is that like 160th of a second yes and 1500th yep. of a second yes. okay so yeah i get it and you can audibly hear the difference too if you're oh. shooting on a fast shutter speed versus a slow one i have heard sometimes on the slow ones you hear like the chunk 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 Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Whereas if you ever watch somebody shoot like stop motion stuff or like, you know, wildlife, you're probably hearing that, you know, it's just super sure. fast. Or sports sure. or just something that's, yeah. you know, a lot of motion to it. Yep. So then, like, you know, maybe an extreme example of a slow shutter speed is that when you see like somebody's got their, uh, they must have had their camera on a tripod and maybe they're uh, photographing like moving water, but it's kind of like that, just that super soft, yes. blurry yeah, type it, stuff. That'd or be their like camp, a, their camp, and you see lights yes. all over the place. Yep. Yeah. Those are super, firefly. those are like multiple second exposures. So if gotcha. you see a guy walking around, uh, a camp in the middle of the mountains with a headlamp on, it looks like a stream. Yeah. That's a multiple second exposure shot, like probably usually 10 to 15 seconds where their shutter is open and mm-hmm. taking a picture for 15 seconds, compressing it into one image. Now, obviously, you have to play your settings right. Like Shoot you play the rest tripod. of them right. Yeah, definitely a tripod. Get your other settings right. And then it still shots like a video, basically, into one picture. Yeah. I Super do love cool. those. That's a confusing thing, though, too. Like, I think you started going down this road, yeah. but, like, somebody say it's low light, they jack up the ISO. Yeah. You were saying, too, it's like there's more than one way to get to a better image in low light, for example. Exactly. You can jack up your ISO, or you can leave a longer shutter speed. Yep. There's probably even other ways. There Aperture. are. Yep. So, okay. so there's, like... There's a lot of parallels that go from, like, the photo world to the video world. And, like, when I was filming deer hunts, my, like, sequence of events, first thing I would do is slow down the shutter speed. Then you would open up your your aperture as wide as it goes. And now you're still at a very low ISO or gain, the grainy thing that we talked about. The last thing you do is start manipulating that. So that's, like, if you've ever watched a hunting show and, like, they literally shot something at the last minute of, you know, legal shooting time and the Mm -hmm. footage just looks like there's, like, little fuzzy ants all over the screen, Mm -hmm. that's because they have their ISO or their gain, like, cranked way up to allow as much light in. But that's, like, step three of the three-step process. Yeah, that's the last thing you want to do to gain light. Yeah. Okay. Because then you start losing a lot of quality. Yeah. 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 Gotcha. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Do you think sometimes people are actually going to that first? Mm-hmm. Yes. It's yeah. a, definitely a mistake. I think people like, j- just like, uh, you know, working out, you want to do something that gives you the biggest adv- biggest difference right away. Bench press. Bench press. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and that's not always the best thing to do. Like there are wanna, other exercises. <laughs> you want to work. You want to work. Well, in I a don't way. think that's what we're saying. How yeah. much do you squat? <laughs> yeah. Let's not. Man, you were really throwing me for yeah. a loop there. Let's not go there. Mark was going to go home and just start hitting the, the <laughs> squat <laughs> rack and repping it. So, like you know, the parallel there from working out is like there's different ways that you can. The, people are drawn to the thing that, that gives them the most change in a very short amount right. of time. 
So like ISO, if you want to go from one lighting situation to, to, to another, the ISO the, is, is the fastest way to do that. Mm-hmm. But it's also, it's not the best. Well, and I could see that potentially, and I don't know, but like almost happening out of necessity because you literally might have A milliseconds your, yeah. and yep. you're like, I know this isn't the best, but bam, you know, and I guess we're talking probably more, probably more video than than stills perhaps. Yeah, and photo but, too. It's yeah. applicable there. Yeah. It's it, applicable re- to both. it really seems like if you're going to go the route of going with a separate camera from a phone, mm-hmm. when I've seen people get mirrorless or DSLRs or whatever, and you see them get it and then they throw it on auto, it's kind of like, why'd you get it right. a little bit? Am I right there? Oh, yeah. Because in a lot of ways... I'm sure you guys, there's there's probably tons of different things you can do to learn. There's probably, cla- I mean, I know there's classes that you can mm-hmm. take and all that stuff, but a lot of it comes from just trial and error, right? Yeah, Like, absolutely. you get the thing, and you got to know, if I'm going to get this, I'm going to get really good quality photos with it. Yep. Unless you get really lucky on auto. Yeah. You're, you're going to have to screw around with it a lot. Yeah. Is that what you guys just did? You guys seem more, like, on lines of self-taught. I don't know if you took classes and stuff, too, but... No. Um, Mo- a lot of self-taught. my friends, like growing up, were like, "Oh, you should totally take photography classes. Like, mm-hmm. you're good." I'm like, "No, I'm not." <laughs> um, <laughs> but I don't think like classes would do a lot for me either. Like, they definitely teach you how to run the camera like the way you're supposed to, and they teach mm-hmm. you all the things that people don't know unless you do a ton of research. But when I grabbed my first camera, which is just a Canon DSLR, is a 6D. Mm-hmm. Like I just played around out in the woods, taking photos of everything, and a lot of it looked awful. I'm like, how? So you yeah. just start you just start googling things like yeah. eventually you resort to a okay I have got this cool shot I have to put it on auto because I don't know what I'm doing mm-hmm. but you're you're still learning so it's just more time with the camera and changing the settings because you'll you'll pick up right away like yeah. oh well that that sucked so try something else yeah there there's a lot of parallels that you can draw from like photography to rifle scopes too like you you just talked about like buy this awesome DSLR or mirrorless camera and now you're running it on full auto it'd be like buying an AMG and not adjusting the parallax or not setting <laughs> right or yeah or using it for primarily like squirrel hunting you know sure yeah sure. yeah i mean it, so like there's a lot to be said about like learning by experience. Just because you, you got the most expensive camera doesn't mean good p- pictures are just gonna uh, fart out. Of exactly. It. <laughs> just like buying the best rifle scope doesn't mean you're gonna start <laughs> farting out bullseyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, oh, I, that that's a, that's actually a great point though. Like you, it, it's not a. Uh, you can't buy your way to good photos. Yeah, you can yeah. buy your way to good gear, and then if you really start to understand your good gear, you can be more capable. Yep. I'd have to imagine too. Probably you could give somebody who's a really experienced photographer, you could give them a less expensive camera, and they're still going to pump out really, really nice and yeah. lenses too, even, and they're still going to pump out really nice images compared to somebody. You know, like we were just talking about this at the time of this recording, and when this actually comes out, I think we'll be good in talking about this. But we were just in Arizona coos deer hunting mm-hmm. for our pod mm-hmm. venture, and we all we la- had to laugh because Mark and I hadn't been in Arizona. Mark had been to Arizona before; I had never been there before. But it had been a while since you were there. Yeah, a few years. Yeah, got to get your deer eyes right. Coos yeah. deer are very difficult to spot. Mm-hmm. We set up, and the guy that we were with, who was kind of helping us out first day, get our bearings right, figure out where we were going. He had a set of Crossfire 12 by 50s. He was spotting deer left and yeah. right. We're, we're out there with UHDs. This is, this is within the first 30 minutes of being right, in Arizona. Right. We're out there with Razor UHDs. We didn't see anything. Yeah. And he's talking uh, us on to him left and right. And we're like, where, where? <laughs> it, it took us a while to actually finally sure. start seeing deer and took, figuring out this is where they are. This is what they look like. Yep. 
to then this is where they like to yeah like where they are register. where they like to be you know i mean there's um, totally well yeah we got we got for that for that period of time and of course it's like you give then that guy who who already has the skill and the eye for it you give him the really nice thing and then now he's spotting even more right probably exactly but you know yeah a hundred percent you can go to like like my uh i have i have a sony a6300 and i i still use the kit kit lens that came with it so that i didn't pay any extra for it's like a 18 or 16 to 55 millimeter f35 lens like it's a very i mean you can literally buy that lens used for like 70 dollars. yeah oh wow like it's it is not fancy and then that camera i think you can buy that used right now for 600 dollars. but if you really understand how to like manipulate settings and all that stuff you know, that'll, you, you can do definitely like usable, like very usable. I mean, even professional quality stuff with that, that gear. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So would you say that's about, and this kind of off, uh, shoot a little bit. Would you say that's about like, if you're looking to get decent quality gear, like that setup used 670, maybe total for a lens yep. and a camera body about yep. normal. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I mean, years ago, like you used to hear a lot about like the Canon T3i, yeah. which was yeah. an awesome like starter camera for people. Mm-hmm. And now with this like kind of shift in trends going to like the mirrorless system, that A63, A6300, A6500, that kind of Sony mirrorless crop sensor lineup is a really good starting point for people mm-hmm. without, you know, dumping yeah. a monthly two months payment on their vehicle. Well, and whatever, the Alpha you know? series of yeah. Sony are tanks of bodies. Yeah, yep. Like, they are just beasts. Yep. That, so. that was the, the first camera I ever, um, I, I got it as a graduation present, was a Sony A58. I think the whole thing with the lens cost like $350, $400. And to your point, like, of the parallel from, like, the Crossfires versus the, the Razors, same thing applied to that. Like, it was just, you know, I took that thing and started, like, shooting a bunch. Like, when I first started, I had no idea what I was doing. But then the more you do, the more you screw up, then you're able to, like, figure out, okay, what did I do wrong here? And then apply that. Once mm-hmm. you get proficient with, you know, entry-level equipment, then that's where I would suggest someone kind of start. Mm-hmm. You can work. appreciate so much more when you get the nice stuff, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Hmm. Well, and all that practice, too. I mean, I guess just like anything, the more you practice something, the better you get out of the faster, the more proficient, you know, you're able to shift on the fly mm-hmm. when those moments are counting versus, you know, like, oh, what, you know, what setting is this? Maybe I better trivia. Oh, it's yep. over. Never mind. You yeah. know, we'll like, like Eric time. said, you start to figure out over time, like what settings it's going to take to be in this situation or that situation. And especially when you kind of know the outcome of how your hunt's going to go, you know that it's getting dark out, start adjusting your settings right. before time. Right. Yeah. yeah. Or if we've gone to a super wide open landscape, Pop on the telephoto lens. Yep. Yeah. So, okay, I'm on Wyatt's page right now, and I'm looking at, at uh, your photos, and I'm wondering, these photos, fo- like, here's here's an awesome photo right now, for example, a very fresh-looking shed that you found, you know, close-up shot, the background's all blurred out and whatnot. Do you have to also know that, did you go in and do anything to this afterwards, like, and edit it at all? Do you also mm-hmm. have a, a computer program that, is supplemental to the actual physical photography that you're doing then, you know? To an extent, yeah. Like I I mm-hmm. do post work. And I don't want to say I don't want to say like you go in and you're like, "Oh, I edit everything. It's like not even the the original photo anymore." Right. But right, it right. seems like a lot of people who are photographers, they have whatever Lightroom or yeah. something like yeah. that. That's what I run. run. They do yep. stuff. Yeah. I mean, post work is is great. It it can give you a dramatic effect on a lot of photos. It can save some photos. But the biggest thing, I mean, I'm definitely no expert, but taking them as good as you can raw does you a way bigger 
outcome than just ripping photos, not knowing where your camera is and settings wise and like, oh, I'll throw it in the Lightroom and work on it. Right. Shoot, make them look good raw and then you don't have to do anything. I mean, like, that's, Do you want to touch on the raw versus... I was going to talk. I was going to ask about file types. Yep. Or, oh, yeah. That's a big thing. Like mirrorless, like shooting my files raw, they're like 40 to 45 megabytes a piece at least. Um, I mean, I'm shooting a 42 megapixel camera, so my raw files are huge. Right. And you compress them down to JPEGs. Obviously, they come down a lot smaller. Shooting them in RAW, though, allows you to edit them and not lose as much. So your RAW files are going to be huge. You edit them and compress them down to JPEGs, and you have a smaller file, but you've done your post work to it. Is that just They're, giving you like way more, essentially, data to work with? Exactly. Yes, it's like shooting in 4K, then cropping yeah. in a little bit. Gives and you like, more room. I, I think, especially to somebody who might be listening to this, kind of like just starting out, they might you know, shoot a photo in RAW and be like, man, why does that look so flat? Why does it look so drab? If you ever look at a JPEG photo that was shot in JPEG Mm -hmm. and then a RAW photo, you're going to notice that that RAW photo is way flatter, way more neutral color profile. Like I could take a photo of you guys right now and the, the red Hornady thing might look way less red and just not as, as vivid. Yeah. I've seen that before. Yeah. It looks a little bit almost like it has a bit of a uh, almost a filter. filter yeah, over yeah, it. yeah. So, and and what that is is that someone who's proficient with Instagram filters, which is almost counterintuitive <laughs> for what it sounds like it's giving you. Exactly, but what it is giving you is way more data, way more information in that photo to really like adjust things like your highlights, your shadows, okay, all that stuff. So, like mm-hmm. if you're, you know, trying to shoot, I don't know, let's just say landscape photos. Shooting in raw anything really is going to give you way more detail to make sure that that f- finished product pops without it looking like a super crazy good edit. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. a, a good edit is is something that just makes it feel like it was yeah. at the moment the photo was taken. Gotcha. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that one was shot extremely close to raw. Like made her pop a little bit more. That doe standing in the fog made it pop a little bit. I, that one I remember touched up a little bit of clarity. Dropped highlights a little bit, dropped shadows a little bit, and didn't really do anything else. Like yeah, you do like you do lens corrections and chromatic aberration stuff. Check that off right right off the bat. But like shooting closer raw will always give you a better image because there's a lot of photos. Like even shooting for the amount of time I have, which is not extremely long compared to you know all the bigger guys, but I've ruined so many photos by not paying attention to where my camera was, especially like being in the woods on a sunny day. Like you'll, there's not a lot of photographers that would say, I love shooting when it's sunny outside and bless you're at the first few minutes of daylight or the last few yep. mm-hmm. because it's so hard to shoot when it's sunny out and there's shadows in the woods. That's what I was going to ask mm-hmm. about that, like time of day, you know, like you, creative use of lighting, proper use of lighting, time yep. of day, we're outside. Photographers are like deer. A lot of times in the middle of the day, they're kind of like, yeah, yeah, I'm not. They're hold up, right? <laughs> yeah. They're hold up, <laughs> yep. drinking a coffee somewhere. Yeah, you hear then, you yeah. hear golden hour thrown out a lot, and that's like when the sun first pops over the horizon, and when the fir- the sun is finally setting on the horizon, mm-hmm. like that's when you get your most brilliant lighting conditions. Um, oh, it looks awesome. Yeah, but then I I think this is kind of a, a, a sidetrack to that, but like shooting, and this is from you mentioned Stephen Drake a little bit. Look at that golden hour shot right like there. That's a, that's Holy smokes. A, like, there's your example. Yep. You mentioned uh, Stephen Drake a couple times. Like, one of the things that this guy talks about all the time is shooting when it's really crappy out. Like, <laughs> yeah. I have that written down. Yeah. 
shoot the the best times when you're going to get emo if you're especially if you're shooting people like when we were on uh the, the boats and bows pod venture trip oh very you know, crappy like like if we would have had like can't enunciate enough if if we would have emphasized if we would have had wasn't like, necessarily the weather it's just <laughs> that that's where i'm going with that if we would have had like if we would have had like torrential downpours or like you know some kind of gnarly wind or whatever that's when you're going to get that really raw authentic facial expression Gritty out of content. people like you see it you see it all the time where like the person has a thousand yard stare and they're like almost trying to trying look, too much to, to look, look a little grizzled. Yeah, exactly. You know, a like bit of that Gandalf the Grey. Yeah, you're gonna look. get that way more when you're shooting in those like truly kind of harsh weather conditions. And then another thing is not letting your your subject know that you're shooting them. Oh so, yeah. Like shooting, you know, if your if your camera has the ability to shoot on a silent shutter, use that because if people all of a sudden, as soon as people hear ka-ching, 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 they they like. You Freeze know, they, yeah, they totally act look funny. Oh wait, yeah. should I position myself? To, yeah, they act entirely true. differently. So like, probably flex. That's probably yeah. my uh, first. That's yeah. Well, I mean, I guess you, I just didn't. I was so natural. I didn't even think of mentioning that. <laughs> or they just like stop and start doing like get a quick pump of fifteen push-ups <laughs> in, and then they s- stand up straight. No, but 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 you know, like not letting your your subject know that you're shooting them, you're gonna have a lot more like yeah. raw interaction. And like you mentioned, Stephen Drake being a great example of getting those raw, nasty, gritty, amazing shots. He'll there's firsthand video evidence of him in the nastiest weather conditions of the mountains like wind blowing 20 mile an hour when it's snowing and it's freezing temps outside but he's sitting there with no gloves on so he can run his camera and just rip and gritty shots mm-hmm. you have to be in those crappy conditions to get those i mean you don't have to well i think you have to but <laughs> yeah, yeah. it pays off to be able to shoot when the last thing you probably actually want to be doing except for the love of the art yeah. Is to be that's what he said. Shooting. That's literally what he said after the last like diverge go around. They mm-hmm. talked about you have to be shooting when the last thing you want to do is shoot mm-hmm. to get the most amazing shots. Well, and not anybody only, can go out on a sunny day. And from a comfort standpoint, and just like I mean, I've I've seen some stuff from him and the guys at um, 60th where you're just like, you know, these situations are you're in the middle of nowhere. You are basically your only support system. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. weather's completely gone south. You've got an animal down that you need to take care of. You might be in bear country, and you're taking extra time to photograph yes. it. To, to, to photograph it and document Remy's it. Remy's talked and about that a little bit too. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. and it's just um, my hat goes off to off to those guys. Yeah. And that's sure. that's where you gotta you gotta wonder too, and you gotta ask, I, I've always had to ask people or or have wanted to ask people that are outdoor photographers like you guys selves and, and other folks out there is I guess you have to go out and and it's probably more natural to you now just as natural as it is for me to just in any situation think of cars somehow <laughs> yeah yeah but you have to go cars. out thinking that okay I'm gonna get photos today yep. because otherwise when I'm out hunting the last thing I'm thinking and, and it's always until it's too late like I just did something cool yeah. <laughs> which doesn't happen often, um, <laughs> but something cool happened, right? Or I or there was a cool photo op, and I did it, and then now that I'm out of it, I'm thinking that would have been a good photo, yeah, you know, right? And so you have to be thinking about that all the time. How do you how do you prioritize things in your guys' head to the point where you're still enjoying the hunt and you're not always constantly like, oh, I gotta get that photo. Oh, I gotta get that photo. 
Oh, wait, but I'm still hunting. Oh, wait, but there's another photo. But the hunt. Oh, yeah. I'm going to let you weigh in on this first because I know we have different ideas here. Yeah. See, <laughs> Rick and I are into Rick's a killer. Okay. First off, that's, the dude kills like a thousand true. turkeys a year <laughs> and like 15 slayer. deer. A good example These of this. These are exaggerations, DNR. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 By the way, um, a good example of this is my girlfriend always tells me, just enjoy it. Like, she loves that I'm so passionate about photography, but she's like, just forget your camera. Just enjoy it. I'm like, listen. You don't understand. <laughs> Being able to look back on these things is what I enjoy. Like this year, example of my bow buck that I somehow harvested. I took photos of him before I shot him because I think it's cooler to be able to look at something in like a quality setting and look back on that and be like, wow. Like every single time I go back through all of my past raw files, I find something that I was like that I didn't appreciate at the time. But now you go back and you're like, oh, this is super cool. So for me, yeah. I think the only thing that I have justifying the camera versus bow versus your in-life experience is just, okay, I would, I get just as much enjoyment being able to capture it and look at it and just like, wow, that's super cool. That's an awesome photo. Like being able to look back on the experiences because you can't remember everything from no. a hunt. Yeah. And the worst thing that happens is when I, when I go back and I think back to just Arizona, right, that we were just on. And I think of, I got maybe two photos as I happen to be videoing on my iPhone. Mm-hmm. I just clicked the little photo button, you know, too. I got two photos from a stock Mark and I went on, on a Coos buck, that the stock was incredible. And the scenery that we got, we went by these crazy, huge, like, finger-looking rocks. We went up this insane, you know, steep hill, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the distance and the vastness of the distance that we crossed was yep. incredible. Some of the views that we saw, there was a couple times where I turned around and I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I'm on top of the world. I really <laughs> am on top of the world. And I go back in my phone because I'm like, that was so cool. I got to have photos. And there's one or maybe two right, where I happen right. to hit the photo button while I was doing a quick video thing. Right. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah. And maybe part of me is like, I want to show a bunch of people, right? Because, right. because I want to share this. But also, I'm hoping that, you know, those memories in my head don't ever fade away to right. the point where I can't remember them and then I don't have a photo to right. help me remember them. And, and that's where, like, back to the whole, like, you know, how do you separate hunting from, like, photographing? That's yeah, where, well, like, that's where you and I are kind of, like, on the on different pages there. Like, for me, now, like, I, I did this for five years where every, th- every time I hunted, like, I had a camera with me or, like, I was filming or whatever. Yeah. Now it's, like, it's so, it's been so refreshing. It almost, like, reinvigorated my, like, enjoyment for the sport. It's got to be freeing. It you is. Know? I mean, you love yeah. the images, you love the art, you love capturing those yep. moments, but, man, what a... What a weight. So what I try to do is like, for me personally, and everyone's obviously very different with this. Like I won't, I don't bring my camera gear into the field when I'm just hunting by myself. Gotcha. So I try to like separate it. Like if I'm on a hunt and I'm like photographing or filming, like that's what I'm doing. And then I try not to bring my bow because then I find, I always am going to end up going like hunt mode. You're going to get in hunt mode. Yeah. Yeah. So if I can remove that from the equation, I've found that like I, I you know, shoot better photos. I shoot more photos. And I, I'm just like more focused on whatever the task it's like is. Doing mm-hmm. one thing really good versus two things really bad, <laughs> really bad. <laughs> Which I mean, it's I mean, my hat goes off to you. You, know, you look at like Remy and Tim with Solo Hunter yeah. and the way those guys you know video themselves and those photos and, of that deer that you shot. Like, it, oh yeah, if you dude, look, I got lucky. That, yeah. that never happened. <laughs> never I got so lucky. That in wasn't a million anything. years. Am I even going? I'm I'm a very uh, I'd say you could say I'm a, I'm a 
shoot first, literally uh, take pictures later. Yes. When it comes down oh, yeah. to that moment. I did want to, because we kind of touched on something yeah. there, and like stills, trying to shoot stills and video on the same hunt. Good idea, bad idea. I know, like, I'm nowhere near your guys' level, but like you said, Jim, we're on that hunt. I'd say the primary thing we were trying to capture was kind of like a, you know, a video documentation yes. of it. So you kind of sacrifice the still portion. How do you guys yeah. balance that? Or, or is it kind of like with the hunting I think and photography for you, Rick, do you, do you try and separate those things and say, hey, I'm a video guy today or I'm a still guy today or do you just transition back and forth? How's that working? If, if you, if it's possible to transition back and forth, like if there's something that like pops in, in, in your, you know, while you're out there doing it, it's like, man, this is a really cool moment. Like whatever the project is, if you're, if it's a, a film documentary, like you guys were just doing, like obviously the priority is going to be filming it. But then if you have the chance to like go through and like shoot that in stills at the same time, like right right after, like mm-hmm. literally, let's say it's a pan of like two guys on a hilltop glassing with like this gnarly cold front rolling in. Film that pan and then like as soon as you're done with it, switch over to photo mode and gotcha. So almost just kind of staying cognizant of maybe like the secondary functionality. Yeah. Like get your primary first, lock it down, yep. and then come in afterward and clean up. Yeah. Because you, know, you can definitely do both, but yeah, like focusing on whatever the primary driver of it is is like a, a yeah. priority. That's how I would like differentiate it. I think stills are cooler for some reason. It's I, when you're in too. the moment. When you're in the moment, you we all sort of live life in video, if you will, through our eyes, right? Because everything's yeah. always moving. You don't see things in stills necessarily. But when you go through and you're in the moment, you think, "Oh, I got a video of this." Or at least I do a lot. And then when I actually go back to watch the video, I'm kind of, sometimes I'm a little bit annoyed because I'm thinking to myself, okay, yeah, I was videoing basically everything I was looking at, but what I never got was a cool image of the whole thing. Right. Yeah. You know, or I never got a cool image of a very specific little thing. Right. I just kind of got a video of like, yeah. You got a lot of stuff, but maybe not that perfect moment. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It kind of like you know, broken out. You know what I mean? I think, yeah. I think it, it's okay. easier to focus How on How many that times too. have we gone to Nate, video guy Nate, on a pod venture thing or whatever, and we're like, oh, can you get a still of that? You know, yep. of whatever video thing yeah. he was doing. And the video's great too, but you know, you're like, right. can you get a still of that? That's just like right there. Yeah. You know? Yep, exactly. I mean, I, I think a still captures like a specific moment in time and like the best ones are the ones that elicit that emotion. They can take you back to a sense of a place and time. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, if there's people in there, that obviously adds to it, too. So, like, a great a great photo is literally going to make you look at it and immediately, like, you're there, you yep. know? Mm-hmm. So, yep. You can feel that, too. Yeah. I mean, you, can, you yeah. can literally, like you said, there's that emotion comes back. And I think even if you weren't there, you know, if you are seeing somebody else's photos, yep. you can still feel a lot of those yeah. same things. Like, I've been in that situation yeah. or I'd like to be in that situation. You know, and that's one thing, like... You talk about, we're talking about like wildlife photography and hunting, and sometimes they marry up. And like, I love beautiful wildlife shots of just, you know, just the animals. But when you get a shot and, you know, maybe you have, you know, your, let's say you're bow hunting elk and you can see that the hunter, you know, in the foreground and that bull, you can tell he's like super close, you know, just bugling his face off. Yeah. I mean, you, you can kind of plug yourself into that scenario and yep. be like, my goodness, that is like insane. Yep. Yep. Exactly. What do you guys do? How do you think about stuff when you're out there and you're trying to get just the right perspective or just the right shot to tell a story? That's one of the things that I think is hardest to do. Like, there's all kinds of 
photos out there that are all over Instagram and everywhere where it's a really well taken shot. It's a cool shot and it's of something it just it doesn't tell a story, you know. It just right. tells like I love it because I'm a huge gun nerd, you know. But yeah. when I see a picture of a really cool gun, yep. I'm kind of like, all right, really cool, well-taken picture of a gun. A yep. cool gun. Okay, sweet. Now I'm done. Yep. But then you'll see pictures of, and I was trying to scroll through your guys because in a million of these ones all tell a story. But you take a cool shot and it just it tells way more than this is the physical thing you're looking at in the photo. You can yeah. tell everything that happened around the photo. Yep. How are you getting that? Because a lot of times I just find myself where I'm like, oh, that's cool. And I take a picture of it. And then later on, I'm thinking to myself, I could, it could have been, somehow it doesn't tell the story. Yeah. yeah like what about, are you talking about angles then? Because I was going to ask about angles. Yeah, some of, it's, some of it's angle related. Some of it's just what subject matter. Sometimes there's a really cool picture. I can go outside and I can stick my cam- my phone in the air and just take a picture of the tips yeah. of some trees, but it's never going to be cool as cool as sometimes you'll see a picture where somebody took a picture of the forest and the trees and the leaves and somehow it looks purposeful, not almost just kind of like, "Oh, I accidentally took a photo there." Okay, yeah. sure. You know. Yeah, no, I think I think half the battle in that situation is is being present in that moment because like like I think about, you know, one for me would be like my my dad shot a deer a couple of years ago. It was the first deer he shot in like twelve years. And like I rather than like being with him right there, and I kind of feel like almost partly guilty. Like <laughs> yeah. I was like over his shoulder like shooting images of that. And, you know, like that's getting that fur- that raw emotion in that exact time rather than it, it was something that he easily could have said, like, I could have been there with him and then had him recreate that. But then, like you said, you just get an image. But it's yeah. never the same. It's never the same. Yeah. Raw is always better. Yeah. And so like you said, like, how do you get that crazy, like unplanned out stuff where it, it mm-hmm. looks different than just walking out and thinking, oh, that's cool taking it. I, mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing and I guarantee you'll agree with this is just be comfortable being uncomfortable like that's simply how you get you know obviously with your experience and like different angles but like even the same photo you can take so many different ways based on you know the amount of magnification you've used with your lens or the settings like whether you run your aperture wide open or nearly shut or different lighting conditions bright super bright and super dimmed where you can barely see it on your screen but pulling Mm -hmm. it in the post and just lifting things up a little bit into into mark's point earlier with the angle thing like you could take a picture of two dudes walking or you can get on the ground with like your face in the dirt and take a picture yeah take a picture looking up at them and you have all the rocks in the foreground and then them in the background and then all of a sudden now you're telling a story of this was super rocky rough terrain and we're hiking on it well it's more interesting too right and the other thing with that when you're trying to tell a story like especially when there's people involved focus on the eyes you know, like, make sure you have tip. somebody's the face. The eyes are like the groin of the face. The eyes tell the story. Yes. I was going to say the windows <laughs> to the soul, Jim, but <laughs> that's a Dwight Schrute quote. The, the yeah. eyes are always going to tell the story. So, like, you can take the same image, and if you have, like, somebody looking out over this vast expanse, you know, it might look really cool, but their back might be turned to it, to to the lens as soon as you can figure out a way to get their eyes in there like you're getting that emotion you're connecting with that person you're like almost you know you can almost see what they're seeing through their eyes yeah. without actually being that there. bill kersher photo is a freaking fantastic example of emotion shot into a photo that you can just tell what happened did you guys see that one no the guy holding the dog with all the oh, ducks right. in her mouth oh and no. So the the story behind it was the dog couldn't, like, in this hunt, the dog was not able to walk anymore. 
He's a very old dog, mm. very experienced dog. So the I'm sure it was the owner of the dogs holding her out in the middle of whether they were in a wetlands or like yep. I don't know. But he's holding her. She's still got the ducks, but she can't walk. So he's holding her, and her eyes are like the droopiest, cutest puppy dog eyes you've ever uh, seen. And you can just tell she knows the battle's over, but she's still holding on. It's that's cool. Yeah. Yep. You know, I mean, and that's amazing. And you know, and you just like you said, you gotta you gotta be present and cognizant to almost be in just always in that image-taking mode. And storytelling. That yeah. storytelling. But, you know, Rick, you brought up something when you're talking about that hunt with your dad. And, like, you know, you almost feel guilty, right? Yeah. So that, that, that's a hunt. That's, mm-hmm. like, a super important moment Dude, in so both cool. of your guys' lives that yeah. you're sharing together. And, like, there is a little bit of a... So you're in the moment taking images, right? right? That's so but cool. you're not Can in the moment... Cry. You're somewhat removed in the moment with your dad, you know, yeah, so there's a sacrifice yeah, there. Definitely. And that's, that's why, like we talked about earlier, like separating it, I think is a, yep. for some people, like, especially if it's a, it's a moment like that, like there's something to be said about like being present in there all the time, but mm. then you miss out on that, like it, mental or that it, physical image, total, you know? so it's a trade-off. Double-edged you, sword, because yeah, I guarantee, some, some, yep. man. I guarantee that's probably one of your favorite images yeah, that you've yep. ever shot that you look back on probably frequently and fondly, yep. but you gave something up at the same time. Yeah, 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 definitely. Going back to one thing we were talking about, uh, Wyatt just showed that picture of that dog. It's so cool. And the thing I was thinking Ugh. about when we were talking about photo versus video is if somebody would have taken a video of that guy holding the dog, it would have still been really cool. But it, it nothing can match up to a still awesome image that lets your imagination yeah. almost puppy dog. It lets yep. your imagination kind of do the video exactly. Yeah, and I think of I think of so many so many classic examples out there. I mean, what, for whatever reason, the one that pops in my head is like the Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah. one handed catch in the end zone. You know, watching the video is amazing. When you see one of those like super sports photographers' yep. photos of the dude like still in the air with the ball going into his hand, you can all of a sudden appreciate so much more about it. Because a lot of things in life happen so quickly that they happen, boom, they're done, and you're kind of like, wow, that was cool. But when you see a still image of it, you can see, like, in that dog's photo there, you can see all the detail of the dog's, you know, face, its eyes, the duck, the guy holding it, the Odell Beckham Jr. catch. You can see how contorted he is, how difficult it was. You you can really appreciate it anymore. Yeah, you just have so much more time to appreciate it, to analyze it, to really look into the eyes or maybe, you know, like the facial expression or the way, you know, like you're talking about the catch, the way the body's contorted. And you're like, oh, my gosh. I mean, you're you're getting that in the video. You're like, oh, my gosh, how did he do that? But then you really look at it. You're like, my goodness, like, look, you know, look how he's twisted or extended or whatever. The video's gone after. Like, you watch... like the most uh, common thing I catch myself doing and a really cool video is like pausing and like holding like at, a, at the part I think is cool yeah, and pause or still just, of it. Mm-hmm. Or even if you don't have the ability to pause, you're like rewatch, rewatch, rewatch because <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. trying to get all those things that you probably could <laughs> yeah. have gotten with That's just where the stills. stills are great. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. What do you guys think? So we've talked a little bit, we've addressed it the iPhone. Mm-hmm. You know, let's say somebody, let's just say, I mean, myself, I'm probably never going to have the time. The resources are just really just sort of the, uh, like, I want good photos, but I'm also thinking to myself, well, there's so many other things that I want to do. I don't know if I'm ever have the time to practice enough to get really good at taking photos. At least I have an iPhone that kind of, yeah. like, it kind of does a lot of auto for you. Right. And it yep. does at least and a decent awesome job. they're awesome cameras. Yeah. How are you guys, how, how many photos are you guys taking with your iPhones? And is there any secrets or tricks that you're using to get really good photos out of your iPhone? Or is yeah. it more just angles you're using? And Definitely angles. I mean, if you want to rip one with an iPhone, I mean, 
my favorite is like down low, pointing up at a subject and getting very close yeah. to it. Too. Very close. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. Like, that's like a common thing that looks really, really cool. If you're going to do it with an iPhone, it's right there is probably the best way to do it. You're probably more familiar with that than that. I only yeah. run my camera, to be honest. Like, yeah. I never take okay. photos of that, my iPhone. That, and then also, like, shoot it, shoot it three different ways. Like, sh- you know, shoot it wide, shoot it medium, shoot it tight. Figure out, like, because, okay. you know, that each each one tells you can take three photos of the same scene, yeah. but different, like, wide, medium, tight. And each one is going to kind of tell a little bit different story. Mm-hmm. And, like, getting really, really close to something is, I think, one aspect of photography that people kind of overlook. Like, yeah literally getting right up in something's grill, whether it's like, you know, somebody's eyes or, uh, you know, like, like if you're, you know, say somebody's pulling an uh, arrow out of the ground or something that, you know, just the, the, the closer you can get to your subject, all that stuff, like, it's definitely going to tell a little bit different. Jimmy of, Christmas of looking oh, wide over here, just ripping off goodness. awesome photos with it. That's an action shot, right? That there. That is an action that's shot. A, that's and an it, action thinking shot. Go back to it. So, like, 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 like what'd you do? Photo. You did, you put like, foreground in there so you have like the box you know so like the same premises that apply to like dslr photography or like you know high-end camera photography apply in this like he got really close to a, uh you know something in the foreground the box which gets broken up and then he's got his subject and then he's got the background yep so the same principles know. of like photography apply whether you're talking about an iphone or a the, yes there we go here of, <laughs> yeah well, i want to talk about now I've got just two things a sick to talk wide about. Wide angle shot. Now I'm just Mr. Photographer over here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna Watch stick with yourself. the iPhone because I think actually I mean phones nowadays they are like crazy yeah, impressive. They come it's the camera so most people far. are gonna use. It's the camera they're to be honest. They're yeah, most gonna use. Yep. But you know, we were talking a little bit earlier about, you know, your your gear loadout as yep. far as your photography equipment, you know, and the phone is something you're always gonna have on you. It's fast, it's got, you know, dual purpose as far as like, you know, with, if you're using Onyx, you're using it as your GPS. So you're gonna have it with you in the field, right? Mm-hmm. So you might as well use it. And we were talking about your your lens load out earlier and kind of get to that 200 yard mark you get that iphone and you couple it with like a phone scope or something like that yeah. and use Ooh. your spotting scope now you're now you now you do have a crazy long lens that actually captures really really impressive stuff and it yeah. may not be like that you know the super craziest shot that you ever got but you're definitely going to be able to tell a part of the story oh, so that cool. you wouldn't yeah. have been able to before. And it, yeah. in my opinion, it even makes looking through the spotter a more enjoyable experience because rather than like right. looking, you know, closing Doing one eye and looking, eye yeah. Thing, yeah. now yeah. you're looking at a screen that's just hooked up to you like your spotter. More of it, you can capture yeah. the image, you can re- roll video, mm-hmm. whatever. When we well, were, and not only you, but the person next to you, right? Like yeah. when you're looking through the spotter, yeah. you can be like, "Dude, I got a deer," right? But I'm like held Where? in suspense or you're trying to talk me into it, Yeah, I can just come over and look at it with you. How yep. many times were we over there where MC Ryan had a phone scope on his spotting scope and one person would spot a deer? Maybe MC Ryan would spot the deer sometimes too, but you'd spot a deer and you'd say, okay, like look over there and then you could look over on his phone real quick and say, it's right there. Yeah. Instead of you being like, here, move out of the way for a second. Uh, okay, I got the spotting scope on it. Ready? And then you get away and you bump the spotting scope yep. and then he gets Where'd on it and he's like, wait a minute, where is it? And you're like, hold, hold on, let me get back on it. And you're both like shuffling back and forth. Meanwhile, the deer's looking up, eating a piece <laughs> of grass and looking at like, oh, look at those morons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they think they're going to come in and shoot me, but right, so I'm yeah. on to them. Yeah, yeah. but the, if, if, if anybody listening to this hasn't gotten the chance yet to go back on YouTube and check out some of the footage, it's video, but the footage that we got through uh, some razor spotters with the phone scopes, yep. it's pretty cool. Those coos deer, I mean... That we use that footage primarily. Actually, we had a super long lens. Probably we could have had an even longer. There's always a longer lens, right? Yeah. But uh, 
There's always a bigger lens. Until you got a lens nice that's lens literally you got there. sticking. <laughs> Is that what you say at the uh, in the bathroom now? Hey, nice lens. Oh, uh, but you could you could have a lens, uh, you know, sticking out across the canyon and touching the deer. Yeah. But th- in that case, we actually chose the footage through the spotter, right? And, the and iPhone. But yeah, and the glass quality that you're getting there is better than a lens. The spotting they, scope, a really nice spotting yeah. scope. Becomes yeah, your I mean, lens, you're running a Razer eighty five lens spotter. spotter too, like yep. McDowell, the the OG of optics and technical knowledge about he invented them. Invented the optic. He, Big Mike McDowell invented <laughs> glass. Digi-scoper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get way more out of a, a spotting scope than you will with any right. big millimeter lens now. Like my 600 millimeter lens is nowhere near what a 20 to 60 razor would get you. Right. Not even close. Right. Yeah. You also don't get aperture with your lens, with your spotting scopes. McDowell and I tried to convert this stuff. He did. I could not follow him and in then his ways. By by filming stuff yeah. through, through the spotter, you even pick up on stuff that you might not have seen. Like you guys got oh my footage gosh. of a crazy arizona monkey oh, yeah. yeah what yeah what is that thing so, it's a monkey raccoon badger <laughs> bear rat yeah yes i think all those things yeah I, so i don't comment below if you know the the what proper way to say <laughs> i've heard it cuda monday quad monday people call them monkeys yeah. uh, use phonetic spelling when you try and tell us because if you just spell it like it's already spelled yeah, right, yeah, yeah we'll we won't know sound it out send yeah. us a voice message voicemail yeah. Yeah, that was crazy do. that was crazy though because we got that foot we were looking at a deer and all of a sudden we saw like a monkey thing yeah nate's looking through the footage and he goes through and we're like, he's looking at this deer and all of a sudden out of the very very corner of the uh of the image this monkey enter enter pronunciation here yeah Monkey, bear, coon, bandit, <laughs> rabbit. Was it like big? Oh, they're, they're pretty, big enough to little, be scared. It reminds you of uh, they're really listen, cool. Spiders animals. can be scary. They're super cool, and they're, they're that big. Yeah. yeah, I think that it brings it up another point. Of, like, though, you know, you, you're looking yeah. at something and you get such tunnel vision, you know, and and then you completely, you know, miss some other things that are going on. So I don't know. I guess pay attention to your entire field of view and your spotter at all times. Yeah, yeah just be aware. Walk through. Yeah. Yep. Every t- every time Photo we pictures say a thousand words, so we could keep just saying thousands and thousands right. of words on this. Yeah. Thing, you know, yep. I mean, it's just it's nuts. It's endless. It's honestly endless. The topics yeah. you could go over with all this stuff and related to hunting and the photography and everything tied in between. Well, and the equipment is mm. so good nowadays, oh and it's gosh. really so much. The quality that you can get now is so much more within reach of, I guess, the more common person or you know, you, you know. I mean, I think no matter who you are, you have budgetary constraints, but. God, so good right now. And it doesn't like, need to be an expensive camera either. Right. Like we talked a lot about like the iPhone too. I mean, like one of the coolest things is is having the photo album that sits on your coffee table will never go out of style. Yep. You know, like actually having something tangible to fill that thing up with and like thumb through it and, you know, sit there in your rocking chair years and look back on, you know, images of a hunt that you went on 40 years ago, that's never going to go out of style. So nope. when, when yeah. you're on your hunt, hammer down on that shutter and then fill the air with yeah man it's just cool to go back and look (laughs) at what you look like look at how bad we were years ago with all this stuff and see how much we've progressed in hunting and And our sometimes the worst photos are the best ones yeah so dude oh you can look back on like you know back in back in the film days yeah uh back in the days of digital but like you love some of that stuff where you know like now you can take 
and an infinite number of photos. You get the perfect shot. Everybody's eyes are open. Heck, you can take multiple shots of the same thing on a tripod. And if somebody's, you merge images and you can make it whatever you want it to be. But yeah, I do could. love those old photos where like, you know, Grandpa Joe's got his eyes closed, the dog's barking, the kid's crying. And it's just like, I mean, you're just capturing some of those. Whoever took yeah. the picture is probably like, yeah, that'll, that'll happen. Yeah, that stuff can't ever be replaced. Right. That, that'll do. But, you know, but th- that was also back in the day where at least, you know, even on hunting trips, like bringing a camera, that, that was an afterthought. Like one out of five trips, you even brought a camera. And the only time you probably snapped a photo is if you got something down. And even that Rip was an afterthought. And grin. Yeah, yeah. baby. <laughs> um, Instagram. Which, you know what, though? I look back very fondly on all those, too. Yeah, you know? yep, exactly. You do. You do. I don't know where I was going with that, but <laughs> cameras yeah. are cool. Taking pictures are cool. Every time we leave and a podcast, Jim, cool. I, like, I feel like I've got this new invigorated uh, desire to, like, oh, man, I really need to get good at photography, yeah, or I know. now only, I need to build a car. And The only problem is we've done, like, 150 podcasts by now. Yeah, That's, Mark, like, 150 different hobbies we need to see. Yeah, Mark's so, going to so run out of this building as soon as we're done with this podcast and just run out of here screaming and go buy a camera. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So many activities. Impulsive so many. decisions. Yep. Yep. I can't wait to see the really nice camera you get. And we'll tote it around in your Overland rig that you buy and build. Yeah, in our, yeah, in yeah. That's Subaru. Next to the next to the, the custom Subaru? rifle. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Custom rifle, long range, hunting dogs, whatever. Finish they are in the back. Well, uh, with that said, thanks yep. everybody as usual for listening. If you have any other questions for these guys or whatever, you should go follow these guys again. It's Wyatt Cole Hunt and Eric. Wait, is there a dot in there? <sighs> Eric dot Barber eight. No, I think it's Eric just Eric Barber, Barber eight. Mr. Barber Shop. <laughs> it is Eric Barber eight, all one word. Go follow, yeah. Check them out on Instagram. You can always ask them questions. But if you want to hear more topics on outdoor photography, hunt photography, all that kind of stuff, maybe we bring in some other guests that are uh, big folks that you know out there. Yep. That might be cool too. Uh, let us know. But yeah, this one we just want to try out one with the guys we got on house that are pretty yep. dang good too. So awesome! Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Right. That was awesome. Thank you. Bye. Bye. All right, that'll wrap it up for this episode of the Vortex Nation podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Hit that subscribe button so you can always stay up to date on the latest happenings over here at the Vortex Nation podcast. Leave us a review or comment down below. We want to hear what you have to say about the show, maybe what you like, maybe what you didn't like, so that way we can make these podcasts as good as they can be. You can also follow us on Instagram at Vortex Nation Podcast. We'll be posting about each episode released, so that way you can go back, find these things, maybe grab a little nugget of information that you can take with you to the range, out in the field, or uh, maybe to the kitchen if we're talking about some good food. So, again, everybody, thanks, and happy hunting and shooting. We appreciate it. Have a good one.